Welcome to the Mercy Hill Church Podcast. This podcast is a collection of sermons and conversations intended to stir up your affections for Jesus. We hope this content helps you know and tell the story of Jesus better. We're starting a new series as we go through Advent, and um, I would love for you to turn to Luke chapter 2 if you have a Bible and follow along in the text as we look at uh, Luke chapter 2. Uh, we have, uh, in the United States, a preoccupation with the future. Uh, we love to talk about the future, what it will be like, and what we hope the future holds for us. In 2019, uh, Americans spent $2.2 billion on psychics, fortune tellers, and astrologers, which is an unbelievable figure. And this might go all the way back to uh, the 1989 H.G. Wells classic, The Time Machine. I don't know if you had to read that book in school. Uh, it is actually much shorter than I remember it being. I think it's about 84 pages. Uh, when I had to read it for school, it felt like about 468 pages. Even most recently in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the Avengers defeat Thanos by time travel, right? Manipulating time. I should have done a spoiler alert, but honestly, man, if you haven't seen that movie at this point, that's on you. <clears throat> of course, my favorite time travel movie is the 1985 classic Back to the Future, right? Got any Back to the Future fans here? If you don't remember, Marty McFly accidentally travels back in time to 1955, where he puts his own future in jeopardy because he accidentally rescues his father from being hit by a car driven by his soon-to-be grandfather. And what happens is his parents don't meet in the way that they were intended meeting. And the, the time when his mom is supposed to fall in love with his dad, she actually falls in love with him. And so there's all sorts of hijinks to try to fix the future, get the future back so the way that it is supposed to be, and that movie was followed by a movie that's not quite as good, but Back to the Future Part 2, where in order to p fix the future, Marty goes to the future and then back to the past and then back to the future again. It's a little confusing, but you should watch the movie. The most significant thing about that movie is actually the hoverboard, which we have a picture of, I believe. Uh, and so, kids, this is what a hoverboard is supposed to look like. Not that second-rate thing you guys have been riding around for the past five years that actually has wheels. It doesn't hover. Uh, and so you need to, you know, actually get one that hovers like this. So we can only hope, right? Look forward to anticipation of the future that we actually get some for real hoverboards. As exciting as the future can be, more often, I think for many of us, it's a source of worry and anxiety. We ask the question, what will happen next? What does my future hold? Will the people that I love be okay? Will I succeed? Will I get the thing that I have been chasing? And because of that sort of outlook about our future, what we need is what we're talking about this morning, the first Sunday of Advent, hope. That's why hope is so powerful it's because hope is our present outlook about the future. Hope tells us the future is going to be okay. That when we arrive at, what, at the place that's caused us so much anxiety and stress, things are going to be fine. Hope. And we find this idea of hope in Luke chapter 2. If you want to read along with me, we're going to pick up actually in verse 22. 
So this is after uh, Jesus' birth, and this is where we find his family. And when the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him, that's Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So here's the scene. Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to Jerusalem about 40 days after his birth. According to Jewish law, woman after birth is considered unclean, so they have to wait for a period of days before she is considered to be uh, 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 able uh, to go to the temple uh, for this rite of purification. And so after about 40 days, she and Joseph go to the temple and they're going to offer a sacrifice. Now, in the text, it points out that they're going to offer a pair of two turtle doves or two young pigeons, uh, which is, in the Old Testament law, a provision made for people who are poor. And so a lot of families would offer a lamb, but if you didn't have the means, you could offer these two birds. So this is exactly what Mary and Joseph go to do, to follow the law. So they're going to the temple so that Mary can offer a sacrifice for purification after the birth of Jesus. Then this is what happens, verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so we meet this new character, Simeon, and here's what we know about him. First, we know that he is righteous and devout. He's of upstanding character. He's committed to the Lord. We find out that the Holy Spirit was on him, that he is spiritually aware of God's leadership in his life, that he's in tune with what God is doing. And then we find that he's had this posture for many, many years. He's waiting on the consolation of Israel. Now, what does that mean? The word consolation just means comfort, meaning that he has been waiting on the restoration of, of the nation of Israel when God's going to comfort his people or set things right. You remember at this time, currently Israel is occupied by Rome. They're not a free nation. And at this time, God has promised a Messiah, a rescuer, a deliverer who's going to come, but has not arrived yet. So sometimes this Messiah would be called the Christ, which just means the anointed one. And so this is what Simeon is waiting on, the Messiah to come, not only to rescue them, hopefully from the oppression of the Romans, uh, but to solve their greater problem of sin. And he's been waiting and waiting and waiting for this. In other words, waiting, the CSB actually translates as looking forward. So he has been waiting in anticipation, looking forward to the day where God is going to set things right. We see this in verse 26. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So this guy is waiting with certainty. Waiting and believing that God is going to make good on his promise. It's not only waiting, hoping that something will happen. He's looking forward to the Messiah. Or in other words, Simeon has hope. He believes that the future holds good things for God's people. 
He's confident that God is going to make good on his promise, both to Israel and to him personally, that God is going to rescue his people, and he is going to see the Messiah in person. We likewise hope in this way for a bright future. We want good things to be heading our way. We want to know that things are going to get better. We desire a bright or a hopeful future. We want hoverboards to be real. We hope that we get our dream job, that we find the love of our dreams, that we move into our dream home. Many of us right now are desiring a better future for our retirement accounts. We hope that things are going to bounce back. We hope that sickness will no longer affect our family. We hope that our kids are going to be okay. And for some of us, those hopes maybe have been diminished or dashed. We look around and we see our kids just riding these weird scooters sideways because that's not a hoverboard. We didn't get what we hoped for. Our dream job is harder than we imagined. It's not exactly what we dreamed about. We find out our dream marriage takes an insane amount of work to keep going. The mortgage on our dream home is crushing. We maybe are more like Uncle Rico. The future we found to be disappointing, and so we want a time machine to return to the past, back to the times where we could throw a football over those mountains. And so when we talk about hope, Are we actually talking about something more in the scripture than just well wishes for the future? Is it something different than just, I hope this works out? I hope things are okay. And the answer in the Bible is absolutely yes. Christian hope is different than unfounded optimism for a good future. It's more substantial than just shrugging our shoulders and saying, I hope so. Christian hope not only desires a bright future, but confidently expects a bright future. That's craziness, right? Why should we expect a bright future? Why did Simeon expect a bright future? For him, he expected a bright future because God had promised him something. And God had promised his people something. He promised that he would send a Messiah. He promised he wouldn't leave his people in their sins. He promised since the very first pages of Genesis that he would fix what is broken in the world. He promised that Simeon would see the Messiah. Now, Simeon didn't have all the details, but he trusted that God would keep his word. He believed that God would be faithful to what he had promised. And so he looks forward to this day, the day we see in this passage, not thinking maybe this will happen and that would be great. Instead, he's looking forward confident, expecting that God is going to make good on his promises. He has hope. And we likewise look forward with hope because we can look back at God's faithfulness. We know that God has made good on his promises. We see clearly that God does what he says. We know that his character is one of being faithful to his word. We see his track record of faithfulness. Simeon had the Old Testament, he had the law and the prophets. He had examples of God's faithfulness. 
all the way through the Old Testament. He had the Holy Spirit upon him, leading and guiding him. But we, this Christmas season, have something more. We have all the more reason to hope. Check this out, verse 27. This is the scene. Remember, he's been waiting on the Messiah. Mary and Joseph come into the temple. It says this, and he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, a sign that is opposed. The sword will pierce through your own soul as well so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So Mary and Joseph in the temple, Simeon comes in, it's revealed to him by the Spirit, this is the Messiah. He grabs him, holds him up, I imagine like Simba style, right? And then sings this little song. The song basically says, God, you did it. You said you'd send a Messiah, and you did. You said I'd see him. And you did. Now, I'm good, right? It's like, now, anything else could happen in my life. I can leave. I can depart. I can die. Doesn't matter what happens next. I got exactly what you said was coming to me. I've seen, he says, your plan to save, the plan that you made before the foundation of the world. And this baby, this baby is the plan. He says, this plan, this baby is a light of revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. Now, this is where it is about us. This is the very glory of your people Israel that you've chosen, but he also says a light of revelation to Gentiles. What What does he mean? He means that this child is the means by which God is going to make known or reveal his love, his concern, his grace, and his mercy to a people who have not yet heard. In case you missed it, that's us. This is true. We have heard the good news of Jesus. That throughout history, it has spread over geography and over time and came to us. And Jesus is, just like Simeon said, a light of revelation exposing or showing who God is. His love and his grace and his mercy to us. And that light is made known. And when it's made known, we look back and go, God's faithful to his promises. We've experienced it. So what John, the disciple, talks about in John chapter 1, verse 9. He says, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world, Jesus. He was in the world. The world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But, verse 12, to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Here's what John says about us. 
that the light of Jesus came to us, and when you and I responded with belief, trusting in Jesus, we became the children of God. God's promises are true. What God said was going to happen is what happened. And so we can not only look forward with hope because of God's faithfulness in the past, but more specifically than that, we look forward with hope because we can look back at God's faithfulness through Jesus. So we're not just conjuring up some sort of circumstance where God did something that we think accomplished something that we were promised. We don't just go, oh, that one time I prayed about it and I did get that raise. Praise God. And we should praise God. One time I prayed about it and I did get, we got our dream home. Praise God. We, I prayed and prayed in years for my dream spouse and that happened. Praise God. No, no, those are meager compared to the good news that we have. We look back at God's faithfulness through Jesus We see clearly that God kept his promises by sending Jesus into the world. We see that Jesus came, lived a perfect life. Jesus died an atoning death on the cross. Jesus was gloriously resurrected, and that all meant something for us. And we seized those promises, and it changed the direction of our lives and the identity of who we were. We went from being cast-offs, separated from God, to being brought into the very family of God. And so we look forward in hope because we know, unlike Simeon, Jesus came and did exactly what God said he was going to do. Jesus came and provided a way for us to know God. And so we look forward to the future, believing and hoping confidently that it is bright for us because we look back and go, how could it not be? God's already proven himself faithful to his promises. Jesus came. Jesus saved us. Jesus rescued us from sin and death. Jesus did it already. Or we could say it this way. We have great confidence in the second advent or Jesus' second coming a bright future ahead of us in a new heaven and a new earth precisely because we can see Jesus' first advent, what his first coming was like. Jesus promises to his disciples in John 14. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. In my father's house, he says, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, second advent, and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. Done. Absolutely done. That is the bright future for every believer in Jesus. And so we don't just desire for that outcome to happen without any sort of evidence, we have Christian hope. We confidently expect that that is our future. Remember, Christian hope not only desires a bright future, but confidently expects a bright future. We confidently expect that future, new heaven and new earth, because only one reason, 
Our bright future doesn't rest on our past performance, but on Jesus's past performance. You hear what I just said? You can't mess it up. You cannot Marty McFly this thing. You are not scrambling around trying to change the circumstances of your present to ensure a bright future. Our future is not fading like a picture of us with our siblings that we put in the headstock of the guitar that we borrowed to play Johnny Be Good. That is not what's happening for us. We're not trying to capture lightning and get the DeLorean up to 88 miles per hour. We do not have to develop a masterful plan to save our future. God already did it. And we can look forward to that plan because we can look back to how great and glorious and gracious his unfolding plan was when he sent Jesus the first time. So at the first advent, we would be surprised just like everyone else. Who knew God was going to save the world through a baby, a cross, and a resurrection? But that's the way God did it. I do not know what your future holds in terms of twists and turns and jobs and marriages and spouses and employment and all other. I don't know. But what I am confident in, what I do have a certain hope in, is if you are a believer in Jesus, God is going to make all things new, even you. And you can expect it. You can write it down. You can bank on it. No matter what your present or your past look like. Because our hope is not founded on our past performance, but on Jesus's past performance. So, this morning... May you be filled with hope. Not because a fortune teller read your tarot cards. Not because you got a great fortune out of the fortune cookie. Not because you found Doc Brown. We're able to figure out how to get back home. Not because you have a time machine not because you were a really good person, not because you valedictorian, not because you have an amazing degree, not because you flunked out of school. Hope because of what Jesus has done for us in our place. And so I think maybe there's three people here. There's probably a lot more, but three three people, three groups of people. I just want to take just a couple of minutes and make sure you understand this for you. This means there is hope for the unbelievably bored. Your life isn't anything like an Avengers movie. Most of it seems unbelievingly meaningless and mundane. This is not what you thought it was going to be like, but you wake up every morning You have the same routine, you go to the same job, you come home at night to the same family, watching the same TV shows. You are unbelievably bored and maybe a little disappointed because it seems like your Instagram friends are always on some sort of adventure. 
You're like, I don't have an adventure. I got a mortgage. I don't have an adventure. I got piling student debt. I don't have an adventure. I got two jobs. My life is just mundane. I'm just bored. I love this from Eugene Peterson. Here's what he says. Hoping does not mean doing nothing. It's not fatalistic resignation. It means going about our assigned task. This is the part I want you to hear. Confident that God will provide the meaning and the conclusions. That's the kind of hope for you today. That in your boring, mundane, lack of adventure life, you just keep doing what God's put in front of you, and it's not your job to fill it with meaning. It's his. And one day, everything is going to be made right. One day, you will be in a new heaven and a new earth. And so for those of us who just feel like we have very normal lives, different from what we expected, the good news of today is that's okay. We just keep putting one foot in front of the other. We just keep doing what is in front of us, what God has placed in front of us. We don't have to pine for some sort of new adventure. We just go, my future is bright. Even though my present looks incredibly mundane. Even though I keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. This is not forever. But forever is coming and it's going to be really good. And so we hope in a bright future, leaning on God to provide the meaning and the conclusions. And secondly, maybe there's some of us today that need the reminder that there is hope for unexplainable suffering. That you are walking, even currently in this season, through hardship. It feels hopeless. It feels like your life is coming unraveled. This is not what you signed up for. You wish you had a boring and mundane life. That would be an upgrade from where you are right now. Overwhelmed with suffering. I love Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon says this, Hope itself is like a star, not to be seen in the sunshine of prosperity and only to be discovered in the night of adversity. That hope shows up in our darkest of times. That we can look to that star of hope and go, hey, this is hard. I never would have signed up for this. The disease in my family, my future's off the rails, lost my job, whatever, fill in the blank. Whatever kind of suffering you are walking through, Spurgeon says that's when hope shows up the brightest that we can constantly remind ourselves this is not forever. That we have a bright future. That we can expect it, confidently expect it. That even in times of suffering and difficulty, God is at work. And even if our suffering doesn't change, we have a future, a bright future ahead of us where we will be with Jesus, new heaven and a new earth. And then finally, for some of us, might be a group of people here 
uh, that you just don't have this sort of hope at all. No reference point for it. And the reason is because you don't know Jesus. You've been bouncing from hope to hope. You thought the new job was going to fix your problems. You thought the new spouse was going to bring meaning into your life. You thought the new degree program was finally going to give you what you've been chasing after. You thought the new season of life was going to be everything that you could possibly want. You thought you were getting a hoverboard, but instead you got a sideways scooter with wheels. And the good news for you today is anybody can get on this bright future. Anybody is open. All you have to do is John chapter 1. The light of Jesus has come. You see the truth of God and you believe Jesus. And your future changes in a moment. Your present might still be hard. The promise isn't that your job becomes everything you ever wanted. The promise isn't that you get to rewind back in time where coach puts you in in state and you lead your team to a championship. The promise is no matter what is happening in this life, your future is secure. And the invitation is open to anyone. Anyone who would hear the good news of Jesus, believe that Jesus died for their sins, longs to rescue them, and trust Jesus with your future. Anybody can get in on this. You don't have to be a certain type of person. You don't have to be a church person. You can have hope, secure, confident expectation that God comes through his promises. Thanks for listening to the Mercy Hill Church podcast. To keep up with the life of Mercy Hill Church, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We believe the Christian life is best experienced in community. If you're in our area, we'd love for you to join us. If not, we'd love to help you get plugged into a local church near you. Have a great week.